good to have you here on a Thursday night. What are we listening to? It's a song called Vincent Price by Phonique. P-H-O-N-I-Q-U-E. Phonique. Or phonic. I don't know. It's too classy for me to really understand. But uh, I love the vibe of the song anyway. And I would love to say tonight is going to be a good one. We've got a great guest coming back in the form of Greg Carlwood, the host and executive producer, writer of the Higher Side Chats. I'm sure plenty of you out there subscribe to uh, the Higher Side Chats. He's been doing wonderful work in the podcast world for years now. I was a fan of him, a uh, fan of his work many years before we became friends. So here we go. That's what we're doing tonight. And there's plenty to talk about. You know why? Because like most things, the show is written by fate itself sometimes. Boy, have you seen the have you seen the news today? Not only are we inching toward war, which will go hand in hand with a lot of the things that remote viewers have been saying, and all the astro charts that's been sent into us. I feel like bringing uh, Jeff Harmon back on for an emergency follow up too, with what he said. Um, what he said that the stars are telling us about the volatility of the month of October. Well, we got a little bit more for you on that tonight. But uh, there's also breaking news in New England and Maine. There's a, a murderer on the on the loose who's got what voices in his head. And I got to talk to you a little bit more about the details of that. And I want to bring it up with Greg, too, because, of course, he's covered plenty of things uh, along those lines. Bill Cooper, MK Ultra, Project Orion. All of it has been trending today because people are asking questions more and more. And there is a little bit less suppression on the trending topics pages on Twitter now, too. So it's interesting to see what people, if they are left a little bit more alone to their own devices are really concerned about talking about. They don't care about Taylor Swift showing up to a, a, a Chiefs game. But tonight, in true Thursday fashion, we get all kind of creepy and weird. So welcome to Quite Frankly. Thank you so much. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else? No, I, I, ran, I went through the guests last night. If you want to see all the guests that are coming up, go to quitefrankly.tv, which I hope the majority of you start to... Um, going to every day to check it out because I'm always adding new people to that calendar. And I encourage you all to please go to quitefrankly.tv to just to watch the regular old show because then you're in prime position to catch all the after hours programming. And that is going to get more and more involved as the weeks, the months, the years go on. So thank you so much. I have a little bit for you in the grab bag that I'd like to get around to before we bring on our guest because there is, uh, there's so much, there's so much that we can do to set the table. I don't know where to even start sometimes. Anywho, first one up comes from Politico. First one up comes from Politico. The headline reads as follows. One second. Here you go. 19 U.S. troops diagnosed with traumatic brain injury following attacks in Iraq and Syria. Overall, 21 troops have reported minor injuries as a result of the Iran-backed attacks on U.S. positions in Iraq and Syria. 
19 American service members stationed in Iraq and Syria, uh, which might as well be Wyoming and Colorado at this point, have been diagnosed with traumatic brain injury. Now, a, a, a commonsensical person would, would say, well, why are they still there? What are American interests abroad all about? Is it just that we've caused so much damage that we've got to stay out there to suppress the blowback from the damage to the best of our abilities? What, why are we there? That's a question that will let, be left unanswered because they just want you to be upset that 19 to 21 Americans have been hurt thousands of miles away from home again. 15 troops at Al-Tanf Garrison in Syria and four at Al-Assad Air Base in Iraq were diagnosed with the injury. The Pentagon spokesperson, Brigadier General Patrick Ryder, said that to a uh, the press corps today. Two additional service members at Al-Tanf sustained other minor injuries. Now, what exactly is it about? These were attacks on October 17th and 18th. Iran-backed groups that have launched a number of additional attacks on U.S. positions in Iraq and Syria over the past week, but none has resulted in additional injuries to service members. One-way drones and rockets 12 times in Syria and four times in Iraq since October 17th. So drones and rockets, and it's all coming from Iran. And, you know, I mean, I mean this is essentially what we're, we're being fed right now. Uh, because I think that, I don't know, I mean, this, it's all still going on in, in Ukraine. It's just that there's no coverage of what's going on out there now. It's a footnote on all of the spending bills that people are proposing because they it's not like they want to stop the uh, the machine out there in Eastern Europe. But this is something that I think is taking center stage for reasons you might be able to imagine at this point. The Pentagon is not mincing words anymore. They're saying this is all Iran. It's just crazy how we go from one person to the next, and it's all eyes on Putin, all eyes on Iran. I mean, it's it's just nuts. The the following of the bouncing ball is just getting sloppier and sloppier, and um, and and they're they're saying things like we're not going to let them go without taking the blame. And on top of that, we're getting daily updates from American soldiers who are coming under various attacks now that are stationed in places we should not be all over the world. So that should tell you something here at home. But look, we already have predicate. Would that not be predicate to go out there and find the attackers to shoot back? We just haven't done it yet. So they're building predicate and they're giving themselves options by making this normalized and just making people work out the logic of what should happen. If you're hit, do you not hit back? Are you not patriotic enough to want to, you know, avenge the injuries and the possible future deaths of American soldiers that are out there in the Middle East? So that continues to be built up. Watch out. Here's a little bit more. Gen Zers meltdown over nine to five jobs amid criticism about Bidenomics. Oh, Oh, let's listen to this. I know I'm probably just being so dramatic and annoying, 
but this is my first job, like my first nine to five job after college, and I'm in person, and I'm commuting in the city, and it takes me fucking forever to get there. There's no way I'm gonna be able to afford living in the city right now, so that's off the table. Like fucking duh. If I was able to walk to work, and it, it'd be fine, but I'm not. So it literally takes me like I leave here, like I get on the train at 7:30, and I don't get home till like 6:15 earliest, and then like I don't have time to do anything. I don't. I want to shower, oh. eat my dinner, and go to sleep. I don't have time or energy to cook by dinner either. Like, I don't have energy oh. to work out. Like, that's out the window. Like, oh, I know, I know. It's too bad that adult uh, adulthood couldn't have started for you earlier. It's too, it's too bad that you spent all that time in college and not getting on with realizing exactly what adult life is. Now, uh, it's, they're, they're, there's a lot to say about, yes, about how local, regional, and national governments impact our lives and actually take away the buying power of a dollar and uh, and how that puts the squeeze on us as well. But uh, there is nothing, there is nothing that interrupts all of your self-pampering, your routines of working out, your eating, everything that makes you comfy, cozy, and all, nothing interrupts it more than uh, getting out of school and getting into what is reality, which is why I'm really on board with people who have plans of getting more and more children out of high school and right into trades and getting out there and and, and readjusting. Now, she'll adjust. She'll adjust. She's just whining, and of course, the whining uh, in public is just just so unbecoming. But you know, whatever. Uh, but she'll adjust. I remember the, I remember how drastically things changed for me when I got out of uh, college and I got into my first jobs and all of a sudden it was almost impossible for me to work out the way I used to because I was just so, ex- I was exhausted. And also, I had anxiety about going to work every day because my first major job out of college was selling, you know, radio ads for a local uh, radio station around here. And I hated cold calling, hated it. It was the worst thing in the world. And I immediately got all of my personal training situation uh, sorted out, and I got out of there about five or six months later. And of course, as um, as you may have expected, the last month when I knew that I was just about to fly the coop out of that, that radio station and go into personal training, when all the stress was off me, I hit all of my quotas, I hit all of my marks, and I even got a bonus. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. If I if I had stayed there, I'd be, I don't know. I'd I'd be in. I, who knows where I'd be? I'm exactly where I needed to be right now. Anyway, a lot of a uh, lot of people are struggling. It, they, I wouldn't even say that this is unique to Gen Z. This is just when you get out, you realize. And I that's why I say delaying getting out into the world and just knowing what's going to go on and and rebuilding your routines and being an adult. That is the most important thing, and college is just set up to delay and to hamper people financially, psychologically, everything now. I, I really think that it needs to be deprioritized quickly. All right, uh, here's another little something. Now, I you may have heard that we have a new Speaker of the House. His name is Mike Johnson. He's from Louisiana. And, um, and man, the NPC cover-up media had but one card to play. Which is always is usually a decent sign. It's not everything, and even a person's voting record is not everything. Because once you get into a seat of influence like this, that's when we really see what kind of gumption, what kind of uh, 
what kind of principles a person has. They don't start making uh, deals and they just, you know, they do the right thing or they just become part of the machine. And I don't really know too much about him outside of this. We talked about him a little bit on the 4 o'clock show with Adel and Zach on uh, taking it back. So you can go check that out. I'm not going to go that deep into it. But I thought this collage put out there by Citizen Free Press of all of the all the headlines in reaction to his winning the speakership is, is pretty incredible. I, I One thing I will say for you to go check out taking it back today is just for that one on this topic for that one clip of Matt Gates explaining how Mike Johnson got the speakership it, it's pretty incredible it's pretty incredible uh what's going on and and the and the pussy the pussy the pussy shit that happened it's just it's something else you have to watch it all right uh here you go here's some headlines for you New York Times Johnson played leading role in effort to overturn the 2020 election the New Republic. Well, we have a speaker. He's an election denier and an extreme Christian fundamentalist. Daily Beast. Mike Johnson may win the speakership through exhaustion and delusion. CNN. New Speaker of the House Mike Johnson once wrote in support of the criminalization of gay sex. These are the things that matter. Mother Jones. Mike Johnson helped engineer Trump's coup. Then Democrats helped him make uh, become speaker. MSNBC desperate GOP turns to election denier in race for House Speaker. <laughs> New Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson, this is from the National Interest, was the mastermind of the January 6th plot. Vanity Fair, Mike Johnson tried to help Donald Trump steal an election. He's now the Speaker of the House. Rolling Stone, the new House Speaker is far-right extremist who helped plot the 2020 coup. Now, just remember, ladies and gentlemen, who these people are. And just that quick little reminder will make all this make sense. These are the people who obsess over things like cross-dressing and bending reality and manipulating reality to be able to create false paradigms of thought and belief and everything so when you do something like deny the election results that they worked so hard to legitimize that i stress that especially with the media itself that is where the media was instrumental when you do something like deny election results the election results that they worked so hard to legitimize you are denying their reality and we all know what they, uh, how they conclude the a denial of their, their reality, their truth really is all about. That is a violent act. That's an act of violence. They've said it many, many times. I mean, they worked very hard at coordinating and, 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 and pampering the culture and the system that would have the judges ready to be able to look the other way and deny any kind of hearing on whatever, to see evidence to whatever. Okay, they were the ones that coordinated all their own headlines. I mean, of course, we have the, the, the Girl Scouts that they sent door to door to ballot harvest in multiple states. I mean, the think tanks that Time Magazine and Axios, all those, all those things, those theories and, and all of those, uh, those organizations that really came together to really wonder how they were going to manage November 2020. 
You're going to deny that? That was a lot of work. That was a lot of work. That's like telling Dylan Mulvaney that he's just a malnourished boy in a cheap dress. Okay, how dare you? You know how hard he worked to be a girl? That's just the way it is. So, you know, as far as Mike Johnson's speakership goes, I don't know. Who the hell knows? I mean, the first thing he said that was urgently needed was to pass legislation to help Israel. So not a very strong start. (laughs) Not a very strong start. You know, that would be nice to hear somebody say that we're going to put uh, military and uh, we're, we're, we're going to we're going to do something to block up the southern border and work to do something to clean out the interior but that's uh that's not of course israel if uh, iraq and syria is wyoming and colorado then israel's like connecticut so gotta gotta jump in line anywho that's what we have today a little more nonsense over there but we got more nonsense well some actually it's, it's kind of a it's a pretty abrasive story but it really has um it's a lot of big question marks attached to it. And we're all just here in the audience eating stale popcorn. But anyway, we have a great show tonight. We have a great guest coming on. And let's go and set the table for him, shall we? Be right back. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! shooting in Maine you know that I'm not uh, I'm not one to go run to to report on the next shooting which is just gonna get buried by five other um, media anointed catastrophes in the three months that follow it but it does seem like that uh, its number has come up in the uh, come up in the cycle again and I gotta say this thankfully Thankfully, this, I mean, this is why this audience is usually miles ahead of the game on most days. Now, some of you might have said to yourself when you came to the show on Monday night, when we had Jay Myers on the, on the, uh, the schedule, some of you might have said, oh, we're talking about Project Bluebeam. Let's talk about the house, the speaker of the house. Let's talk about the, the house of representatives. Let's talk about the war or something like that. 
All right, we get to talk about Project Bluebeam. And now here we are, three days later, with all of that stuff that we're talking about, and we have, well, you'll see in just a second. First thing up now, as far as as far as the guy who is the the shooter, his name is supposedly Robert Card. Uh, people have leaked Discord logs of him. Now I don't, I have not, I have not verified any of this stuff here, but it looks all very sketchy. If these really are, if these really are Discord. Um, messages here. It's all about I can't stand these damn non-whites ruining our country, which if, if he was a real racist, he wouldn't be saying non-whites. That What the hell is that? Some fed boy nonsense. So you, it's just like, you don't know exactly what this is, but they've done the Discord thing before with the uh, the guy from New England who was leaking the, the papers that showed how much of a scam and a sham and how badly the Ukrainians slash NATO slash the US slash Mossad were losing out there. Uh, that whole leaker, you remember that from back in April? Well, there's already a little bit of a Discord edge to that whole thing there too. So I, I wouldn't, it, it, I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand if this really was something that he was posting on Discord in the lead up to all of this stuff. Uh, you know, um, army trained me to make to be a killer. I'm really good at killing, and I'm going to do it. So there's a lot of aspects that are at play here. They're all snooping around to see how we can make cryptocurrency a little bit more more far more restrictive i should say for all of you out there who are enthusiasts there and they are really making your investments in those crypto markets they want to make sure that social media continues to come under fire while missouri v biden uh plays out over there you know how they really want to make sure that the government is in the back end of every major social media company out there who will give them a key which is, it, it might be everything but Twitter, but who knows, even that too. You just don't know. And then, of course, there's guns and there's disarmament. There's everything. It all plays in. It really does. But this is the thing that really gets me. Of course, you get all, you get what you what you think is what you would expect is coming afterwards, and that is pass an assault weapons ban now. President Joe Biden will sign it, says Kamala Harris. Go ahead, pass it. We need a ban Go ahead and do it. Daily Mail, Biden demands Republicans pass a ban on assault weapons after another senseless and tragic mass shooting in response to Maine rampage. Now, here's the thing. On a pattern of, you know, you know, pattern recognition level, that's just run-of-the-mill horror and projection. That's just run-of-the-mill. We've seen this time and time again. It happens for any number of reasons, usually... The suspects are known to the FBI and local law enforcement. They are either on or trying to get off of major pharmaceutical, psychiatric help medicines. Uh, I, I mean, there's, there's any number of things here that, that are usually at play. And then, of course, no matter what the situation is, as long as there is, there is uh, you know, fresh blood that has been spilt, the media and the people who control them and the people who control them are right there to try to catch it all in their hands and mold it like clay but here's something you should listen to this is from nbc news came out today and i we wanted to make sure that we archive this one take a listen to this this is by daniel arkin melissa ohan and jason uh abruzzi abruzzi's 
Anyway, the man suspected of fatally shooting more than a dozen people in Lewiston, Maine, on Wednesday night is still at large, police said on Thursday as his family urged him to turn himself in. Now, here comes all the highlights. Law enforcement officials are looking for Robert Card, 40 years old, whom they said is considered armed and dangerous. Card, a firearms instructor and longtime Army reservist, began to hear voices, began to hear voices that were saying horrible things about him about a couple of months ago. That's when he started hearing that. When he was fitted for high-powered hearing aids, according to Katie Card, who is married to his brother. Other words, his sister-in-law. So a couple of months ago, he started hearing voices that he had never heard before because he was fitted for high-powered hearing aids and they were saying horrible things about him. His sister-in-law said that his mental health had deteriorated, deteriorated quickly. Here's another quote. He was picking up voices that he had never heard, she told NBC News. His mind was twisting them around. He was humiliated by the things that he thought were being said. Now again, you tuned in on Monday night and you saw Project Bluebeam, and you're probably like, damn, old man. But, but the House of Representatives in the war. And then we got to do a little bit of uh, voice-to-skull technology talk, which was very important because I said it's, it's not so much about whether or not they're going to play the alien card. It's that if they wanted to, if they wanted to do anything, any kind of a full sensory immersion psyop of a high technology, we know that it's not just about projecting somebody into the clouds it's about they can get into your mind. They can, they can engage far more than just your eyes in some kind of a production like that. We need to understand that these technologies exist. Well, here we are three days later with all that stuff that we were talking about with voice to skull technology, fresh in your minds for when we are offered up this, this very timely massacre in the otherwise prolifically safe state of Maine. In fact, Maine is usually a place in the past that we have often cited as proof that more access to guns and easier easier, uh, easier attained concealed carry permits or whatever the hell it is or constitutional carry has a direct correlation with the reduction of violent crime. Yet here we are. Okay, and, and listen, and that's not to say that it can't be a series of factors. It's not to say that this was a uh, voice to skull this was voice of God technology that was at play. This is wh exactly what was happening. But, but once you know what is possible and once you know the greater goals of the people who control the technology, it's worthy of serious consideration. And it's also just a very strange uh, synchronicity once again. So remember... If we're not covering the news every night, it doesn't, ma it doesn't mean that we're not doing something important. Just throwing that out there. All right. I have other things that we're going to do tonight. Other things that I would like to, uh, I'd like to jump into the weeds on. But who better, who better to jump into the weeds with than Greg Carlwood? Because, I mean, hell, I mean, this is what he does. He jumps into the weeds. Greg, are you there? Oh, I'm here, buddy. How you been? 
Oh, I can't complain. I mean, it's the end of the world as we know it. But I feel fine. <laughs> but I feel fine. Are Are you going to be joining us with uh, with any video tonight or no? Yeah, I was actually trying to figure oh, out. There we go. There you go. Hey, you know, this is a pretty special occasion. Before we get into all the subject matter tonight, this is a pretty special occasion because, A, it's the first time you've been back since you welcomed another child into the world. And this is the first time that you're on and we are in the same time zone. So congratulations on everything. Yeah, thank you, man. It's, of course, chaos here, but it's a good kind of chaos. Absolutely. Now, um, you've traded uh, sunny, southern, dry California for humidity. How's that been? It's fine. I grew up in Missouri, which oh. is a place where you can die from the heat in the summer and the cold in the winter, usually in a place you just have to choose one. So I'm used to getting it from both ends. And uh, so the summer is no big deal. I can get through 90 days, 120 days of hot to have a pretty moderate and enjoyable rest of the year. And and how's the transition from California to Florida been? Was it seamless? You liked? Oh, you you were actually reconnecting with family out there, so you already had a base, no? Yeah, that's kind of the case. Okay. Once we knew we were having a second kid, we knew our place wasn't big enough, and we knew that we could do the one without any real help. But with the second one, we really wanted to get more family involved, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So we. Uh, had two choices, Missouri or Florida, and uh, I think we took the right, the right path there. Well, that's great, man. All, all the best to you and the family. That's it's it's wonderful. And now we're gonna at least we're gonna have a little bit easier time coordinating time zones when we do this show. And uh, so before I jump into this one thread from a uh, from a person I've, I've followed and we followed each other on Twitter for a while, I just want to see you know you cover a lot of things. You have talked to a lot of people who have d jumped into the darkest theories imaginable. Uh, when I hear about mass shooters, when I hear about drugs, mind control links, the first thing I think about are people like Bill Cooper, their chapters on Project Orion, all that stuff. Uh, have you spent any time looking into the oddities that have swirled around this latest shooting? Because I, I, I don't even pay attention to them anymore, but this one just had a couple of red flags I had to dip into. Yeah, I don't pay much attention to every single one anymore. You kind of get a cursory look at these things, and they always hit some of the same high high points. Like uh, the guy said he was hearing voices. I mean, how many people have said that before they committed some crazy atrocity? This is one of the only ones where I, I just saw the images of him, and he looked like he actually had shooter experience. He looked like he could actually handle the weapon that he had a lot of times it's like scrawny kids who look like they wouldn't even know how to use what they're accused of using but i believe i also saw that he had been to a psychiatrist he was on the medication that's another ding 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 every yep. time i think there's a network of these psychologists psychiatrists that i don't know if they're testing new stuff i don't know if they're egging people on like if they're cia fbi and they're just in the network, so they find vulnerable people, and they say, hey, you need a guy for a shooting? Here you go. Here you go. And I think, as you already noted, every time the goal is to get rid of the guns, and until that happens, they're just going to keep doing this, create terror, create chaos, and keep rolling them out. It's terror, man, uh, across the entire world. I mean, we were going to get into it because I have some really interesting 
things that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. I heard that that group of um, or a large group of remote viewers were all very baffled by things that they had seen in the in the future, the not too distant future. I want to get to that in a second. But uh, you said a lot of people have heard these voices before doing things. And uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of very prime examples, but somebody Somebody I know uh, pretty well, his name is Wyatt, Austere Wyatt on Twitter. I want to read a little something with you. And, and Greg, all along the way, stop me, interject, whatever the hell you want to do. I think that this would be this would be really interesting right here. Okay. So here we go. Wyatt says, the shooter today in Maine complained of hearing voices in his head. In 2013, a man took three hostages at a bank in Louisiana, killing two before being killed by cops. Months earlier, he was interviewed by the FBI and DHS. He told them that he was hearing voices. Congressman Allard Lowenstein wanted to open, reopen an investigation into the assassination of Robert Kennedy. Lowenstein was killed in 1980 by a man who said he received messages in his head broadcast by a CIA transmitter. I mean, and that's not to say, and again, Robert Kennedy himself with uh, Sirhan Sirhan to this day has no recollection of the shooting. Just You know, I interviewed a guy early on in the show. I think his name was Trevor Aronson, but he wrote a book called The FBI's war on terror or the fbi's manufactured war on terror this is going back almost 10 years now but he had case after case in his book of people who were directly in contact with the fbi before they did some kind of shooting or before the fbi barely stopped them and it's like no you egged this guy on you encouraged him to do this thing you gave him the means these people are usually poor they usually don't have thousands of dollars for this weaponry that they usually are equipped with. You don't see a lot of nine millimeter shootings or just some basic pistol. It's always this army equipment that isn't really that accessible to everybody. But if you want a book that really lays out just this template, as you just mentioned, they're already in contact with the FBI and CIA. How weird is that? Yeah. Absolutely. And did you hear, uh, I don't know if you were listening to the show prior to calling you up, but when I I pulled out that archived NBC article about this earlier on in the day, uh, not only are we already checking major boxes as far as pattern recognition goes, but uh, just a couple of months ago, around the time that he was starting to hear the voices, he was fitted for, they said, uh, his sister-in-law said, high-powered hearing aids. High-powered hearing aids. Whatever the hell that means. I, I guess it could just be. Anyway, here's another one. In August, a guy uh, murdered two kids, one of whom was a TikTok star on a date in a movie theater in Corona, California. He said it was, uh, he, it was precipitated by voices that he had starting hearing about eight months earlier. On September 5th, 2021, a Marine killed four people, including a baby in Florida. His girlfriend said that he had developed the belief that he could, quote, talk to God over the past week or so. Noah Green, the guy that rammed the Capitol uh, police officers, said, quote, he believed the federal government was targeting him with mind control, end quote. Jared Loeffner, remember that guy, the guy that shot Gabby Giffords and killed six others in Arizona, told a psychic that he heard voices compelling him to violence. Connor Betts, who murdered nine people outside of a bar in Dayton, Ohio, heard voices in his head from childhood on. And it goes on and on and on and on. I mean, Wyatt puts, I think, like seven more uh, seven more um, examples here before he actually cites the government's MKUltra voice-to-skull technology. 
that came out, uh, I think, in the church during the, uh, the same church committees as we learned that there was a heart attack gun in the 1970s. So, I mean, this is 50 years ago. Uh, Greg, what do you think we have working with now? Man, it's hard to say. You are right. It's 50-year-old technology. You would think these things improve. There's a good chance the hearing aids are a clue, although I would think that they probably don't need a receiver. I think they can just beam stuff to a person without having like some actual endpoints attached to their head. But very curious, every time they're yeah. on these medications, they're hearing voices, they're in the network of psychologists, psychiatrists, and they're maybe even already talking to law enforcement. So it seems more like law enforcement and these intelligence agencies are scouting for the right people to put in place. Mm -hmm. And they do it what now? 100, 200 times a year? There's never a conversation about the mental health aspect. It's always just, well, if you want to keep your guns, this is going to keep happening. It's like, yeah, that is true. That's the threat yeah. that they're putting out there. Yes. Yeah, it's one of those things. One of those things. It's it's uh it's catastrophe fatigue. They just want people fatigued and um and if it can't they can't just rest a little way, so they're gonna just try to twist arms. Now let me ask you this, because I know that you you try not to get too in the weeds with current events and the news. But as I have seen in the last couple of years, and I think a lot of people are noticing it now, there is a very, very, um, there's a blurring of the lines between what used to be, you know, your, your father and grandfather's media and what we were interested in, what we wanted to, the rabbit holes we wanted to jump down. And now we're starting to see that, that kind of weirdness and that buildup. And when we start, to, especially if you get into uh, theories about uh, Armageddon, uh, any kind of apocalyptic themes about great reveals at the end, new world order themes. There's a merging of these two worlds where we see now that there is far little, there's far less really, uh, you know, covering up the intentions of those who have a lot of power in throughout industry and government and the, um, the organizations that really influence government. What do you think about the next, I don't know, six months to a year? Because considering what we got in 2020, what that left us with the last couple of years, and now a major year 2024 coming ahead, uh, do you have anything in your mind that you are looking out for in particular or the red flags that are that are waving, raving fiercely for you? Well, there are guys like Chris Knowles who have shown on his blog that they've seeded a lot of the year 2024 in Hollywood and these esoteric ways they do. And of course, 2027 is a huge year. So this arc of five years or so is going to be probably pretty intense. When I listen to people about the economy, a lot of them are saying we got about six to 12 good months before you should expect everything to fall apart. That's quite scary. Being in this conspiracy game for a long time, though, we always hear this. There's always a new doomsday. Yet I've had the show since 2012, 2011, and still going strong we haven't ended anything yet but it does seem like the elite are somewhat in a rush i've had a lot of guests presented as some kind of timetable whether or not there's a galactic energy wave coming where we're all going to ascend to our 5d light bodies i don't know (laughs) but it does seem like they've gotten to a point where 
it's just full steam ahead and it's we don't care how much is noticed we don't care how many of these things are recognized we have to just keep going there's no breaks anymore and i think covid was the big launching of all that and it has been thing after thing and we learned a lot during covid people who are in this media landscape we saw who was larping around thinking this was just all fun and games and those who were serious about it because you know our space is lumped in with ufos and high strangeness and this kind of thing and some of those folks don't necessarily get into the conspiracy weeds all that much they just think oh the government's got some secrets and you know then you see long-time ufo researchers saying shut up and wear your mask and take your shot it's like all right dude what do you know about assessing government's motivations their secrecy their agendas you know you totally burned yourself so that's happened several times since ukraine was another opportunity for people with some discernment to parse through a story and now this israel gaza thing is another one and for the most part i think people who got covid right are also getting russia ukraine right and israel gaza right but i don't know how anyone can think that it's okay to just bleed money like we're doing just send blank checks all over the place we might have a blank check for taiwan soon yet palestine ohio not a damn word about that and it's a toxic dump now yeah so it's like they're trashing as much as they can trash and they're extorting as much as they can extort and they're not being subtle about it anymore they're not being shy maybe that's because they fully know they have the election compromise so they don't have to worry about popularity at all i don't know if any elections have ever truly been genuine but it seems like they got a real lock on it now perhaps but they don't seem to care their guy's got a 30 percent approval rating his mask has fallen off at half of his uh appearances you know who is under there we don't know you we can't get a word out you know you can't get a sentence out so it's just like they don't seem to care and they're just blatantly doing everything they can do and most people are too broke and too bogged down with their lives to really even parse through it all as far as the spending goes what you were just saying right there it reminds me a lot about uh i think it's like season uh five or six of the sopranos when when uh Vito comes back he's going to be killed they found out that he's you know he's a dead man dead man walking they found out he's gay and they're going to kill him so he, he he comes back into town he sees a he sees an old uh compadre of his at a uh, at a, a a store or whatever and the guy says hey, hey you know what can i borrow fifteen thousand dollars from you and uh and he started wondering oh that you know that's actually pretty smart you know a guy's a dead man you might as well take a a loan out but you know what what if you are the dead man and the banker yeah, if, but if you can stage your own death, if you're the person on the inside of government and you control all the levers that create this money out of thin air and you know that the dollar's day is limited, that's another thing. You, you, you're talking about, you talk about, hey, you know, we've been in the conspiracy game for a while and it's always about the end of the world and it's always about doom, but at the same time, we're still here. Well, at the same time, nothing's necessarily got any better and you have to wonder... You have to say at some point, okay, I don't know when it's really going to hit the fan, but I do know is that it has to. 
because there is no correcting it at this point. And whenever the hell that is, God knows. But with the uh, with the money there, it, that is what I I take away from this hundred billion here. Now you're opening up new fronts in this war that is starting to is starting to just soup together into a uh, a global event. And and you know it's like why the hell not? Because on the other side of this. There's got to be some sort of a, hey, well, you know what? The the war bankrupted, bankrupted us all. We need a new idea. There'll be a debt jubilee, and here's the new currency, which we also can control. So it's uh, why not if you have that kind of power? That's the way I see it. Now, as far as what will be coming and what may be coming, there is something that I know that you have seen before. Listen to this. This is from one Cortex Zero on Twitter. I'm not one for doom porn whatsoever, yet I can't help but take notice to this. Various remote viewers uh, or remote viewing groups around the world appear to be sounding the alarm that some major world-changing events appear to be imminent. One group in particular appeared to hone in on what would eventually transpire in Israel. When you juxtapose this information with numerous cryptic remarks about the forthcoming four years culminating in something in 2027 i don't know it's just a little eerie now someone responded to that and said as one of the remote viewers involved it shocked us too the last time this happened was the large volcano explosion when we saw the mushroom cloud weeks before it actually occurred we did not go out to get this uh to, to go out to get this data we stumbled across it and more to come hopefully not usually in the future predictions i'm personally running at a long-term accuracy rating of 65 percent and they say because it's because the future is every time you view it it always changes but what the hell do you think Where's 2023? Obviously, that's just got to be some pivotal year to bring us to the fabled 2030. But uh, have you looked into these uh, remote viewing groups at all? Well, here and there over time, I've definitely looked into them a, a bit. There's one story. I don't know if I, um, I can, don't know if it's private information, so I won't say the name. But one of these remote viewers who was involved in the military program, the official program, who does classes. I think there's a couple of them who still afterwards do remote viewing classes, teaching it to people, say, look, anyone can do it. Here are the steps, like, let's try it out. Let's test it, let's get in the game. Well, they asked him about the future and he was like, yeah, you're not gonna like it. He's like, in our lifetime, it gets really bad. Didn't super elaborate, but the guy lives out in the Arizona, New Mexico desert and lives a prepper type lifestyle away from basically everything so he actually put his money where his mouth is you know he's walking the walk he definitely isn't living like near times square or anything like that yeah so he's pretty serious about thinking that it's going to get pretty bad you got a lot of weird stuff where the elite seem to have not only a secret religion of some kind but they also really seem obsessed with trying to make revelations happen old prophecies they try to put their own pieces in place to say oh well now that's happened like trump moving the embassy to jerusalem was apparently something in there and then there was supposed to be i heard recently seven years of peace and then this was to kick off another chapter that's written in revelations i don't love that kind of stuff the religious stuff but i've seen enough examples where they do seem to try to force the pieces to fit i don't know why we have some weird doomsday cult running 
operations, but it does seem like we do. Uh, yeah, and and as far as I've, I've been really on the lookout for a lot of the the, uh, the description of the events that might have been remote viewed with some of these groups. And what it really comes around to, I hear a lot about mushroom clouds, which is not very creative. Of course, anybody can say that. But if they're all seeing the same thing, it has to be notable at some point. It becomes statistically significant. But they also describe specifically the situation in Gaza. And unfortunately... Uh, as they usually get around to concluding, is that it does not look like there's a real exit ramp and that things are going to get a lot worse. But you see, here's the thing. If you are realistic about the world and you're not pie in the sky and you think that we're the good guys and we're just out there trying to put things right and literally everybody else is the bad guys and they're against freedom and democracy, then you know that how the hell could there possibly... How do we get off the exit ramp for what what has been put into motion in Eastern Europe and the Middle East. I mean, it's all stuff that I don't need a crystal ball to say that this doesn't seem like we have a parachute out of this one. No, there's nothing we can do. That's what's so crazy is, like, you hear them assessing the people of Gaza and they say, well, 47% support Hamas. It's like, well, that's not half. So are you going to every person before you put a bullet in their head and making sure they voted for Hamas that they are are involved in this or they're culpable in some way? Like, imagine an American city getting bombed and then someone says, well, Biden's policies were so bad, I guess the American people deserve it. We are not connected to that. I don't even think people who voted for him should be connected to that. But that's the way they're talking about people in Palestine right now. That's the way it's like, well, these individuals did something, so everybody's culpable. How does that even check out? Yeah. You know, so it, that's kind of the, the stuff that's bothering me about it. But, yeah, it's crazy. I don't think we have the kind of power that's necessary to make a change at that level. It's full steam ahead. Most people I know don't even follow the news. Like, if I think about my top 15 buddies that have nothing to do with work that are just like longtime friends at least half of them aren't following the news at all maybe a couple of them uh don't have much of a problem with this they aren't ever thinking about world war three so is, if i'm just taking the general temperature of people i think we're in a little bit of a bubble of people who are paying attention and don't want to walk into world war three yeah I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. And you know what? Just to put this on the, I have two astro ch- astro chart readings that just came in t- today, and I'm going to just leave one right here, and maybe I'll do the other one on the other side of the intermission. But here you go. They say, regarding what's going on in the Middle East right now, my source says, this crisis is a thousand times bigger than Ukraine, but it is designed and implemented by the same junta in D.C., London, Tel Aviv, that staged Ukraine. Uh, Astro says that probably a shocker this weekend and continuing for a month, then quiet from mid-December until mid-January, then the war resumes for two full years, during which the globalists will lock down the U.S. Well, uh, put that on your, let's see, I don't, I, let's, I, and let's hope that it's wrong, but let's so you move on. January? By January, we're going to be locked down. No, I, I don't know if, if that's what happens, but in in mid-January, that is that's they say this war will resume for two full years. And now, what I what I believe he says is that, hold on, there's another one that came in. Here's the longer one: the astro from today until tomorrow, Friday, 
He said, no lunar aspects, no energy, everything is stalled. But tomorrow, Friday, after midnight, the moon is adverse with Pluto. That means violent, also adverse to the eclipse point last week. Uh, then we get into Sunday. No, yeah, no, yeah, let's go Saturday. Noon lunar eclipse in Scorpio on Saturday is intensified in, P in the PM when three important planets are adverse to the eclipse. That's Mars, violence, Mercury, communication, and Jupiter, finance, all closely conjunct and adverse. Uh, Sunday, about 9 p.m., this com combination is adverse with Uranus. That's unexpected shock or explosion. So the war will probably break out. They say that, and you know. Just it's there. They're rolling the dice on being right or wrong here. So the war will probably break out in full during Saturday, which is also when the U.S. is supposed to be ready to attack Iran. So, I mean, th th that who knows? I just putting in. I knew that you'd be on on tonight and I knew that you uh, you would be interested in spooky little predictions like that. And, and, and we'll see what happens over the weekend. Yeah, we were going to talk about ghost stories and creepy scary halloween type stuff but what's scarier than where the culture is right now and how few people are paying attention it, it is intense i mean as a dad you think about the world beyond just your own life and you hope that it's set up well but it doesn't seem like it's gonna be and i i wish there was more to say about it it's just like it is important to pay attention but it's also important to enjoy your life and not over obsess because like I said, what are you going to do about it? What's the credo of the AA, you know, give me the strength to handle the things I can handle and the wisdom to know what things I can't, you know? So if it's in your sphere of influence, try to make your world better. I've been interviewing more goat, uh, more guests about permaculture and food forests and shoring up your game and where you get your, meat and vegetables organic all that kind of stuff like you can control that if you have any patch of land no matter how small are you growing grass on it or are you growing something useful to you when shit gets really bad right right and, and that's that's all you can control try to teach your kids and keep them safe try to be in a place that isn't a hotbed for this kind of activity Obviously, I left California for a multitude of reasons. I feel like I'm in a slightly better place now. But if we're getting into World War III, it's really hard to say where is safe. And if the econo economy crashes, then you know that affects everyone everywhere. But try to keep your overhead low and control what you can control. Pay, it, pay enough attention to be informed, but don't pay so much attention that you're just depressed and you forget to save some hours in the day for action. You're 100% right on that. And don't worry, we're going to get into some spookier stuff that's a little bit easier to digest. And I, I got to say, I don't know what it is, uh, Greg, but um, I we jump into this. We see how things, they will intensify, then they'll relax a little bit, then they'll, they'll intensify again, then they'll relax, and you wonder, all right, well, how far do we go when it's just all, you know, dry heaving? Is there ever going to be any vomit? Um, and But regardless of those undulations and those that ebb and flow, I really, I'm not in a pessimistic place. And I think that, you know, uh, parenthood's definitely a part of it. You've got to be optimistic. It's an obligation to be optimistic and to be problem solving in your, you know, in, in how, how you can make, how you can make one lifetime at a time good, you know, yeah. 
We're having you're trying to set up another generation for at least a, li a lifetime of happiness, and hopefully they can set up the next generation. So I don't. Uh, I'd never let this take me down really dark paths. I, I, I contemplate un, uneasy things from time to time, but that's only just to be able to get preparedness in line, like you're saying, and that's, um, that's a good thing. But here, here's something else. I know that you've been doing a little bit of uh, digging into Whitley Strieber's uh, latest book, and I want to touch off on that with this. And Goldie Hawn has been in the, um, in the news in the last couple of, I think the last 12 hours or so, that's where I saw it. Here's the headline, Goldie Hawn, an alien touched me, and it felt like the finger of God. Goldie Hawn may have had a very close encounter with a third kind. She claims an alien once touched her, and, uh, and this was back in the 70s. She said this happened when she was in her 20s. She was living in California at the time where there was a lot of UFO sightings. She went outside to her, out of her door, sat on a little ledge, and she looked up at the dark sky. She said, all I saw were these stars, and all I could think of was, are we the only planet in the whole universe that has life on it? She said she, could call, she called out to any aliens listening, saying she knows we're not alone, and I would like to meet you one day. Well, what do you know? Just four months later, Greg, she was settling down for a nap in a friend's car while working as a dancer and heard a high frequency in her ear. Uh-oh. She claims that she then saw three triangular-shaped heads, silver in color with tiny little nose, no ears, and a slash for a mouth. The aliens were pointing at me, discussing me like I was a subject. She said that she was unable to move, that the aliens touched me. It felt like the finger of God. It was the most benevolent, loving feeling. It was powerful. It was filled with light. She never forgot the experience and went on to speak to astrophysicists and research crop circles. Uh, that's it. And claiming she once dreamed about the aliens. And the next day, a crop circle appeared near where she was staying. So what the hell do you think about that? That is wild. Again, when you're in this game for a while, you hear these stories and you put them in boxes. You add up the commonalities, some kind of metaphysical aspect with what's going on in her thoughts versus what you see in physical reality. The crop circle aspect is damn interesting. There are a lot of people who have these experiences more so than you might realize if you haven't had one yourself, my car has a crazy wrap on it for the show and there's a UFO on it and I get stopped all the time. Grocery store parking lots, pumping gas. Most recently I was pumping gas and a guy, you know, comes up, he's like, hey, what's this about? I was like, yeah, it's my podcast. We get into conspiracy and weird stuff. He's like, you know, I was running a burger joint in Fort Lauderdale and we got robbed and I got shot and I was in a coma for a year and my body was sitting in a hospital but I was on a ship flying through multiple dimensions with these weird aliens that picked me up and then eventually they told me it was time to go home and they put me back in my body and I woke up it's like all right man well have a good one wow <laughs> this kind of stuff another guy stopped me at a grocery store and he told me, uh, he's like, hey, man, I see your car. You know, I've seen a UFO. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. He's like, actually, you know, it wasn't really a UFO. It was more like an angel. Now, now I'm interested because I like that crossover. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, they got, uh, this angel came down, and uh, it looked like a concentric rings with wings, and then it turned into a craft and then back to concentric rings with wings. 
and it said it was going to heal my throat chakra. I had a, a long time issue in my throat and it did. And then it shot off in the sky and I never had that issue again. Cool, man. Well, I'm going to finish loading up my kid in this car and, and get out of here. Jeez. Uh, this stuff happens to me, I don't know, every other month, maybe. Someone will see my car out and say something like that. Plumbers or electricians who come by my place and see it in the uh, in the driveway, they'll have a story. Their grandfather was a pilot and he saw crafts. Like Everybody's like two degrees away from a crazy story like that. It and Whitley Strieber's latest book is, is called Them. And it is a collection of letters that he got after communion came out. Communion was his, his big thing. It came out in uh, the eighties, I think 85. And so he got a lot of letters back from people who were like, Hey, this resonated with me. I had an experience similar and his wife saved all these. She loved to catalog these letters. And then finally this last year, he took his favorites and put a book out where he get, he gives the letter and then his interpretation of the letter. And I love it as a sample of case studies because it's all pre-internet. So that to me is important because in the internet, you could have read something and regurgitated it, but to hear weird elements of stories where they're citing Egyptian gods and all kinds of crazy stuff pre-internet. It's like, well, where did you get that from? Hmm. I mean, you could have looked it up. You could have read an academic textbook about Sumeria, or maybe you're telling the truth and the bean just told you. You know, so I like that that sample size. Willie Strieber, of course, his most recent thing is he says he thinks the visitors have something to do with what we call death. And I tend to agree. I've heard a lot more stories from that perspective. I actually have. In in what way? In what way? Like they're almost like the the angel of death. They they come they come down when they when a person is is near the end. Because what what does what does that mean? Well, he's saying compared to the typical story that they're space alien visitors coming from Zeta Reticuli, he doesn't think that. He thinks they're closer associated with death. Maybe. The UFO is the modern riverboat to the hypothetical River Six. Maybe it morphs with the culture. Uh, maybe these beings are in a position to be liaisons to the spirit world. Maybe they are autonomous and they're trying to figure out what the human soul is and capture it, bottle it. Because a lot of the genetic stuff, it's, it's true that a lot of these experiences are people having their eggs and sperm taken from them something yes. involving their sexual fluids well a lot of people emphasize that part of it and they say well they're creating hybrids and i think that they're thinking a little too physical and if you think metaphysical if what they're trying to do is figure out the soul well how does a soul get into a body there might be something about the sperm and the egg at this point obviously you're born with a soul at what point does it happen we don't really know but I think that the sexual fluids are a means to an end, which is trying to figure out how to capture a spirit before it enters a human vessel somehow. Maybe they're making a hybrid so they see if like a spirit from the great ether embodies it or not. And then like, well, that didn't work. Let's go at it a different way. You know, um, what you're bringing up right there is, is in part, they are pieces of my overall questions about the NPC phenomenon that I brought up on this show and whether or not whether or not we really just do have empty vessel 
people. And, and, and once we once we get to a point where more and more we see these operations where there are laboratories that are just uh, creating human beings from genetic random genetic materials that are that are then are cobbled together that are grown inside of these these synthetic wombs these like almost like i don't know like uh these uh these latex bags that we've seen them already do with sheep and everything else i started wondering you know is it possible for a person for a physical body to not be assigned a soul. And I started thinking about that too. Is it really, is it the sperm and the egg? Or is it something else? Is it, is it the orgasm? Is it the, is it the, the, the two people coming together? Is it that energetic explosion, that climax that actually needs to be there with a little giving of the soul to spark that, that union? I mean, what if it's, a, if it's everything? Where you just take a little bit of that out of the equation, who the hell knows? Um, I mean, that that's something. There. And you're th- you're you're referring to the work of people like David Jacobs as well. When uh, who have I mean, it's it's well documented. People have had pregnancies just go missing, and it, it's that's some scary stuff to consider right there. Right, phantom pregnancies are quite weird. I was going to mention this. I have this book on my desk, Cyber Biological Studies of the Imaginal Component in the UFO Contactee Experience. I don't even know what that means, but it's a bunch of essays from the 90s. And just even on the back, it says the proposition that UFO abduction reports relate to birth events is one of the very few unfalsifiable hypotheses put forth in the history of UFO research. Of the 300 or so known reports, only about 200 provide substantial narratives, yet all of them contain prenatal imagery. Most are dominated by it. In fact, the more detailed the narrative, the more birth data it exhibits. This is a quote from Alvin H. Lawson, some UFO researcher who is likely dead or close to it. This is a pretty old book. But this idea that Whitley's putting out there, it's clearly not super new. Because if you're saying it has something to do with death, and this guy in the early 90s is saying it has something to do with with birth, I mean, we're talking about the cycle. Yeah. So I do think it's more in that realm than space aliens. Space aliens is a cover story. I think that's why we'll never really get disclosure, because it would blow the lid off the whole game. Part of the game is keeping us rooted in materialism and rooted in money and the paper chase and just everything physical they don't want you to know you're an infinite being of consciousness and all the david ike stuff he talks about they don't want you to go down those paths that's why no school encourages meditation in the west that's why psychedelics are frowned upon unless it's in uh, some laboratory university mk ultra context they don't want it. They, they want to study it without you knowing what's really going on behind the curtain. They want you rooted in this physical reality. So I, I think that these beings, they're trying to either look under the hood of that birth death cycle and manipulate it for their own ends, which I think if they if that was true, it would have happened. They probably would have broke the game of life and death and we'd have hybrids all over the place. Maybe we do. But I I think maybe they have a role to play in the spiritual hierarchy of being liaisons that take us to the other side, just like those old stories of the ferryman and the Grim Reaper. Like, it's just another wrapper for that stuff. And 
I do have a, a good story from the Whitley Strieber book. It's really damn long, but if you want to hear it, we can get into it. Oh, I would, I would love to hear. It. And before you start, you know what? Let's do something. Let me, uh, let me hold you over on the other side of the intermission. I'm gonna uh, uh, just going to do a real quick break. It's about a minute and a half. We'll come back and uh, and we'll get that. We'll get that all rolling. Everybody will be back with uh, Greg Carlwood. Don't go anywhere. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. 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 How dare you? All right, so we are back here on the other side. Second half, second hour of the show, and we're back with Greg Carlwood, the Higher Side Chats, one of the Really, I mean, it's one of the best uh, best shows to have in your rotation if you like getting into off-topic. When I say off-topic, I mean off-topic from the mainstream, where you're, just, like I said before, you're either following the war news or you're following... Uh, you know, which which uh, which NFL player is dating which pop star. This is the good stuff right here. All right, Greg. So we have this with Whitley Strieber. I, I'm so happy that you picked out a good story to get into because this is great. Now, when did this uh, this come out? This is recent, right? Well, this story, the, the, the book is recent. Whitley's book, Them, is pretty recent. But it's compiled of stories that he got after communion. And these stories are quite old. Most of them are early 90s, late 80s. So I think that's important to keep in mind with this one because there's a couple points where you'd be like, hmm, that's not something they dug up on 4chan and just added to their story. Uh, because, and like I mentioned earlier, Whitley then, once these stories write in his book, he then uh, digests them and he goes over the details and what he thinks about them. 
and what he has to say about some of the details it's kind of interesting but it doesn't matter unless you've heard the story so let me just get into this thing here i already tried to pull out some sentences as long as it is but almost all the sentences have at least a little added context okay but people who have heard dozens of stories they'll hear several things that rhyme with many of the other ones but this person says i was born in texas in 1945 i've had out-of-body experiences since i was a small child and never thought it unusual rather they were just private and no one talked about it much they became intense during my freshman year in college leading up to a period where i went completely blind for three days in the early summer of 68, my daughter and I drove to New Mexico to visit some friends who had a small ranch there before going west to meet my husband. We drove to Flagstaff and waited there until the early evening so we could cross the Mojave Desert together at night. About two hours outside of Flagstaff, my daughter began to shout that she saw a spaceship in the sky. How did she know to call it a spaceship? The sky was unusually cloudy, and I looked to where she was pointing, and I saw first two and then three lights moving rapidly in the sky, turning at 90-degree angles, pulsating and disappearing, etc. I decided to pull off the road onto a dirt trail I saw to the right, leading into the desert. We watched the sky together, she in the back seat and I in the front, when suddenly in front of the car there appeared a huge, dark, and glowing object with a partial row of lights in the middle. The next thing I remember is my breath being knocked out of me as I somehow went through the windshield of the car. I remember looking back for an instant and the car was completely empty of myself and my daughter. I couldn't see my daughter and I asked in terror about her. She's gonna be all right, was what I heard in the center of my mind. And I was strangely soothed and unusually happy. Suddenly I was looking into a room through the car and I was not alone. These beings were tall, about six and a half feet, and seemed to be robed in a fabric that emitted a type of light periodically during movement. Their skin was silvery and their eyes were round and a violet and a violet blue that sometimes streamed out to me with a feeling of love or a long lost family. It was almost like a homecoming. Their eyes were closer to the surface of their faces than humans and their nose wasn't well defined. Their mouths were fascinating. Sometimes it seems like they weren't dressed at all and the body definition wasn't sexually differentiated. I was standing with two of them and noticing that they had no hair, but there was something like fabric that was crumpled and folded behind their backs. They seemed to be smiling without moving their mouths. As soon as I thought hair, one of them seemed to produce beautiful reddish gold hair all over its head, smiling. This frightened me. The room I was looking into was about 25 feet wide and semicircular. It was rather dark and filled with TV screens running the full wall area stacked up on one another. All sorts of pictures appeared on the screens and strange symbols and terrains I've never seen. In the middle of the room was a long table with three or four chairs that were movable. There were three beings in the chairs, two of them facing the screens and moving around, while another one in the desk area would stand up from time to time and move things around. Two seemed to be laughing all the time, and sometimes there was a sound like wind. They kept saying, welcome, welcome, in my mind, and laughing. Then they told me some strange things about human origins and alien intervention on the planet Earth at various times in the past and future. Then they started speaking to me about my individual history. This will sound outrageous, but I'll say it anyway. There was a whole generation of there was a whole generation of beings that came to Earth in the far past and took up Earth life. They were from the family of Ram. That root family name was their root also, but either that planet wasn't in existence anymore or it was inaccessible. 
they said that they said that was why the old god names were as they were on earth rama brahma ra and egypt and abraham etc in order that humans might remember but so much confusion set in that the names became designations for gods or heroes and that wasn't the point at all rather it indicated the name form of the origin of them and some of us being from other star systems then they began telling me my name in their tongue shalisha la ikimu ram and kept saying it in my head until i got it right they said those words meant much more and could be found in earth literature if i went looking there was such love flowing through them as they helped me with the name and the earth lineages that went back to the stars then they took me through a gray curved corridor to the right of the entrance where i had come in i can remember not being able to walk and then walking with ease we then came to a room that contained the ship's driving mechanism. This happened in 1968. I was 22 and had no idea what I was looking at. In front of me was a huge crystal, perhaps three feet across in the middle. It looked like two pyramids placed base to base, although at times it seemed multifaceted and totally brilliant and jewel-like. They told me to put my mind into the crystal, and as I did, I'd be able to learn how to fly the ship. I tried and failed, but they kept coaxing me, and I could hear them smiling, go on, you can do it. Finally, I got it right, and we began to move out, first above the earth, and then through the angular pattern of space that was also time. I asked why I had to do this, and they only said, just so you can remember flying and piloting when necessary, and then there was laughter. After the initial information was placed in the crystal and wire matrix, nothing more was necessary, but we stood there anyway until they said time to return to earth frantically i panicked and asked about my daughter and was soothed again by them saying she was okay then they said they were sorry but didn't say why and then there was great love as we moved to the exit place they said my name again several times and something about my soul lineage i was reluctant to reluctant to go but the next thing i knew i had gone through the car windshield again and found myself hanging out of the window gasping for air i had been crying and was covered in sweat my daughter was in the back seat crying. She told me never to touch her again and that she knew who I was and she hated me. I tried to calm her and ask her what had happened and Jeez. she shouted, I'll never tell you. Leave me alone. I had a notebook in the car and I took notes on this before we left. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. At uh, It was almost midnight and we had lost about two and a half hours. At that moment, the scene seemed uncanny yet perfectly normal. I felt then that this was the first time I've been able to remember, but that it happened before, and I was blocked in remembering. I drove on to California as nothing happened. I couldn't tell anyone and swore to myself never to discuss it. And this is the last two paragraphs, and this is really interesting. I then began getting afraid of going to sleep at night and became really ill and nauseous. My hair began to fall out, and my mouth started bleeding, and I was exhausted. I took more vitamins. One night, my daughter woke up screaming, and I went to her bed, and she said very factually, Mommy, I'm going to die. The spaceship people told me so. They said little bugs had gotten into my body, and they were sorry, but there was nothing they could do since I'm just a little girl. Then she went back to sleep. This frightened me beyond belief. That morning, she woke up with a high fever and had several joints swelling. I took her to the hospital, and she was diagnosed as having rheumatoid arthritis, yet they weren't too sure why. They wondered if she'd been exposed to radiation. She was in great pain. They found out that she had a very rare cancer of the nervous system, neuroblastoma, and it had metastasized, and she had just a few months to live. She lived until September of 1969. 
Before her death, she began to draw extraordinary pictures that were more advanced than a 10-year-old's, even though she was only three and a half. She began to write poetry, which, of, which I sometimes wrote out for her as she said it aloud. The doctors were amazed and thought it might be the chemotherapy, but were not sure about this, where this behavior would come from. The day after her funeral, a friend of mine who was a graduate honor student at UT called me from Austin hysterically, saying she had to drive to Houston immediately and tell me something that had happened. I didn't think I could handle another emotional crisis since I was in such grief. However, she came that day. We went for pizza and she told me what had happened. She said that two nights before at about 2.20 a.m., she was awakened by a noise and then saw her roof begin to dissolve. In the air above, she saw a type of spaceship. Two tall beings appeared, and in between them was my daughter. They told her that they hadn't been able to get through to me because of something, but to let me know that my daughter was okay and was with them. She thought at that point she'd gone completely insane. At that point in her story, I broke my promise to myself and told her what had happened the night in the desert, and we both cried and cried. <laughs> Very long story. But it hits so many points, and this gets to, like, did they have her soul? Something about death? The beginning, when she says that she went through the windshield and was out of breath, it sounded like she got in a car accident, and Ex then this was like a, a guardian angel. Experience. Right, right. I'm thinking, okay, so did she jettison through the windshield? She broke the glass? And then I, I so then, then I realized that wasn't the case. First of all, this is like one, you talk about their, your... your uh, that encounter with the the person who saw your car wrap, talking about the coma dream. This is a very, very big coma dream kind of feel to it. It's a mix yeah. of breathtaking and ab it's just abject horror at times. And I really don't even know what to say. Yeah, I mean, and this is a person who was not trying to get famous writing on some blog. They, they wrote a letter in the 90s to Whitley personally because they read his book and thought, man, maybe this guy understands what I went through. And they expected the story to go nowhere. And I thought that part was really interesting about the Ram family. That's why these are the old gods, Rama, Brahma, Ra, and Abraham. This is just some like Midwestern woman who doesn't, she's not a scholar of uh, theology or anything like that. And Whitley goes on to kind of try to digest the name Shalisha Lee, Ikemu Ram and basically says that he found these words in Hebrew and uh, some other old language, but she would have to know both languages to know that there's anything to that. But apparently it means something like there are three parts to all of us and the center is the most important, roughly, if you were to translate it, which is one of those things that comes up in these stories. It's like always about they're just telling us about what the core of life is about, basically. It's uh, it, it, that part right there. The the translation of the name reminds me of that movie, the the uh, the fourth kind, where you know toward the the the, the creepiest climax of the whole thing, where the uh, the abduct the abductee is is pretty much speaking Sumerian, ancient Sumerian. That there is there is some sort of a I don't know there there is a um, there's a universality to some of those ancient languages that we are given this, um, we're suggested to consider how, how maybe that is not even a, a, a language of earthly origin, man, that's a, 
I'm glad you picked that one because that kind of took us all over the place. It, it, it checked all the creepy boxes, that's for sure. There was some breathtaking stuff in there. There were some other things that are, that are pretty familiar with stories like that, too, where as she's thinking things, you can obviously tell that the, um, the entities are hearing her thoughts and, and trying to acclimate and, and actually alter the way that they appear to her. So it's a little bit more of a comfortable experience, perhaps, where they grew the hair on demand, even though that frightened her. And prior yeah. to that, you know, it's weird. So many times we hear that there's shape-shifting involved, that they change their appearance based on what's in your head. It's why people see Jesus or the Virgin Mary. I think that's an example, a parallel example, of something like that happening. And what resonated with me was the astonishment and the excitability of them and the laughter, because the psychedelic experiences I've had where I did feel like I made contact with something else. That was the exact way it went is they were just like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're here. This is so exciting. Wow, man. Awesome. And they were just so like positive and described a lot. Like I would, I would describe a lot like uh, she did. It's just they're, they're kind of laissez faire. You know, this is a pretty serious thing. You're supposed to be on a spaceship and they're like, oh, just throw your mind into it. And let's see what happens. Laughing and, and these downloads, you know, it's all a lot of things. A lot of these stories involve like an information download. So it hit that box. It hit the box of like this old friend got a visitation in the night where they, she was shown this girl's body with two aliens after she had died and said hey we tried to get in contact with her mother but we just we couldn't do it so we went to someone else she knows and that's you so please relay the message you know yeah i i I, yeah that's something where if if it is because of course you know i'm whitley uh, after a while you get you get to hear these stories and you you there are certain things you believe and other other times you know it could it could maybe there is a chance that this is uh, a very, very creative writer, and Whitley's just like, you know, what the hell? I- I'm putting this in the book, and uh, and let let the reader decide for themselves. There is that chance, but other than that, there is questions that come up for me, and I'll, I'll this is the last thing I'll I'll uh, put out there for you, and then we'll start wrapping this one up because I think it comes down to the bigger questions of what what. What is the ultimate goal? And I this came out with you. I think there's a little bit of problem there with everybody saying, well, you know, they're, we're going to get confirmation or disclosure from uh, extraterrestrial, but that's like non-Earth origin beings, whatever the hell they are, wherever they come from, what their, the, the situation is, once we're ready. I heard you get into a little testy exchange with Dr. Stephen Greer at one point. I really, really enjoyed that. You, you got him a little upset uh, in, yeah. that, in that episode because I, I don't accept that. I, I can't accept that a, as well, uh, where it's just like, well, you know, they'll reveal themselves to us when we're ready for them to be seen. I'm like, what the hell? That's a, that's a fucking cop out. And, yes. uh, you know, and, and it kind of comes into this other thing here, too. I asked myself, after all these, let's say, thousands of years, why they still need to collect samples? What what are they what have they yet to learn about us or even the makeup of the human soul? Why are these operations still even necessary if they're that advanced and and they've been uh, tinkering with us for as long as we've been around? I don't get that at all either. Right, that is a curious one. 
Laird Scranton, who researches indigenous cultures and their cosmologies, he said something to me once to the degree of there's two realms. There's a realm of time and space and limited information. And then the other realm is a realm of unlimited accurate information, but no time or space. So Akashic record, you could say. So if from their perspective, there is no time, then this is just some physical reality sandbox on a loop. And that explains your question of, because you're thinking linearly. Yeah. You're thinking, well, why wouldn't they have solved this? Maybe they did solve it. Maybe they solved it in the future and it affected the past. I mean, there's so many things you could say about the way these two realities might be woven together. But the Dr. Greer thing you're referencing, yeah, this kind of brings us full circle to earlier. We were talking about the elite's plans and what you can do about it. It's like nothing. You can't do anything about it. So then you have that division between real conspiracy researchers and UFO researchers who are kind of new agey and they don't really analyze the elite's mindset the way they should because they say stupid shit, like he said, which is, the aliens will reveal themselves when we're ready, when we're ready. Who is we? Yeah. Every single person? Every, you know, all eight billion. Think about what, the, the, what George Carlin said. He's like, think about how dumb the average guy is and then realize that half of all people are dumber than that guy. So you're telling me that there's basically no point in me doing this research because I got to wait until the last fucking guy in line gets it? I know. Like, what is the barometer for when we are ready? And if the aliens know that we are beholden to the to a small fraction of 1% of the elite who have got this whole world so screwed up, then we'll never be ready unless they want to come and take out that 5,000 people that are holding us back, and that, then we'd be ready. Absolutely. But it makes no sense to say <laughs> they'll come and reveal themselves when we're ready and then know that we'll never be ready because of the way the elite run the world and we're so backwards already it's the same problem i have with religious people about like oh well you know god doesn't want you living in sin you're gonna go to hell if you don't go to church on sunday any god who looks at this fucking reality and doesn't level with me and say hey man i you, you probably should have gone to church but i can understand why you didn't and then makes me burn eternally for it like fuck that god so that's kind of my attitude about so many things as you get into the weeds and, and you try to get an explanation from someone and it's like, well, you got to be ready or it gets into this religious context about like if you couldn't discern every single thing accurately in this deceptive system, then you're going to hell. Like, fuck you. Um, so I think it's like, what are we doing here? You know, to use Brendan Schwab's famous word, what are we doing here? I think it is a soul school. I think we are here in a sandbox to experience the full range of things that can be experienced in a physical place. And that's tragedy, that's positive things. And, you know, with COVID, just one more example, there was a, a story going around that they were gonna activate it and everyone who got the shot would be wiped out or something would be turned into a zombie. And people would say, well, why would the elite kill off the people who are the most obedient wouldn't they kill off the rebels and i say well if you go a level higher and you think about this as a soul school and you're supposed to be cultivating discernment and you're supposed to be cultivating uh you know thinking for yourself and independence and and being positively aligned then that's a lesson that was a lesson in the game 
And the lesson was to not give in to fear and instead be committed to your autonomy, your freedom, and you could say the vibration of love if you want to get into the, the new agey weeds. But that to me is why the logic does check out. I think the elite work for the machine in, in a bigger context. Maybe they play the role of the villain because it is like a big cosmic game. I'm right there with Bill Hicks on that and David Icke. And we're, we're actors in a cosmic play. And if the play doesn't feel absolutely real, it doesn't work. Greg Carlwood, it is always a wonderful time with you on. I can't wait for the next time. Uh, well, who knows? Who knows when the hell it is? We, we may have to have an emergency session before long. But, uh, but it's, uh, it, congratulations on everything, and thank you for, uh, for entertaining some really, really deep thought tonight on a Thursday here on Quite Frankly. Cheers. Thanks for having me. All right. So aside from your, your link, uh, I have HiresideChats.com in the description. Is there anything coming out that you want everybody to look out for in particular? Uh, well, the next show I'm going to be releasing probably tomorrow is about the question of if that Malaysian Flight 370 was abducted or oh. teleported, or maybe it was a Philadelphia Experiment 2.0, but there's some very curious footage out there that has surfaced and could be a fake. We've seen a thousand fakes in the alternative world, but on the slim chance that it's real, I got a guest who makes a damn good case that it is. I love it. I love it. I'll be on the lookout for it. Thank you so much, sir. Have a good night. Cheers. Take care. There you go, Greg Carlwood, the Higher Side Chats. We'll be right back in just a second. We're going to take a quick break, and then your calls and your super chats. All right? All right. There's no video of President Trump sucking a ding-dong. And so what if there was? That's a lot better than World War III, Owen. I never sucked any ding-dongs. But I'll tell you, if they were going to blackmail me to start World War III about one, I'd say, hey, I sucked a ball, golf ball through a freaking garden hose. Didn't you already tell Der Spiegel that? No, the son of a bitch walked in there in my own office when I would splattered stuff on myself and I was changing shirts. He goes, oh, that's a good shot. Let's get your shirts. And then he goes, I go, hey, have some of this chicken and sausage. So technically, I said, Jones offered me his sausage. Yeah, give me a break, you son of a bitch. I like women, not men. And if I like men, I'd be proud of it. That I have a lot of them. But I ain't ever been in bed with no man. I've been in bed with probably 300 women. And you sons of bitches sit there and you play these games. And I'm sick of it. Had a friend, you looking for a message board? <laughs> Go to quitefrankly.tv and enter the forum. Engage with official show topic threads or start your own thread. Get signed up. It's that easy. And it's not Reddit, so don't sweat it. For the forum and then so much more, it's quitefrankly.tv. Yeehaw.
Okay. Welcome back to the show. Let's see here. We got a call from... I mean, we got a super chat. Very generous one from Dan Schumann, our good buddy Dan Schumann in the chat room. He's inspired many people to give. Oh, let's try this. There's a QR code. If you want to try out the new QR code for Super Chats, go ahead. Put your camera from your phone right up to the television right now. Let it focus in. When the link pops up, touch it. And now you can send a Super Chat real quick. We'll get more of you in uh, in the game that way. Let me know what you're thinking or just stop by to say, I love you, Frank. Dan Schumann says, great show, great guest, great YouTube chat. Wonderful people out throughout all the chat rooms. And uh, just watching the show. Stostube, thank you so much for your super chat as well. And last night, this came in after the show was over. Rob Moreau says, loved the show tonight. That's on Wednesday. Great guest. You guys made the hairs in the back of my neck stand up a few times. Thanks for the chills. Well, it's October. You got to do that stuff. And we'll do that stuff after the holidays end, too. Though I'm sure there'll be something weird that happens in November and December. You can't be completely without that stuff. On Rumble, we got a couple of rants I want to get to. Let's see where the hell are they. Where the hell are you? Here you go. Jay Semo says, very interesting. 925 Wild G says, quote of the week. Think of how dumb the average guy is, then realize that half of the world is dumber than that guy. Yeah. That's uh, that's George Carlin for you. <laughs> that's George Carlin for you, and and that's true. It's true. It's it's one of those things. You know, I know that there's mixed opinions on what um, non-human life, how that could be defined and how it exists, because there's so there's so such scant evidence, especially of cryptids. We didn't get into cryptids tonight. We could have done that, but there's such scant evidence. But there are, there's scant physical evidence, but there are so many people who are not crazy, who are of sober sound mind, who have these stories that are, they, I mean, they are telling the truth. At least they believe they're telling the truth. If there is some kind of explanation for it all, a scientific explanation for what has happened to them, then uh, I'm sure that they would appreciate it. But, you know, those prophetic kind of things, talking to your daughter, I mean, it could be a LARP too. But still, you know, when you think about that, when people say, oh, well, they'll, they'll appear when we're ready. We're not ready. We're not evolved. I said, well, we are devolving. Um, I don't, I mean, there are people on this planet who are getting it. We're starting to get it, but there is a lot who don't, and you're never going to do that. I mean, think about that. It's almost as, it is as impossible as, uh, all the people that we were hearing in 2021 saying this virus will not end until we get the entire world vaccinated. That was their stated goal at one point to vaccinate 100% of the population, not only of this country, but other countries, the entire world, 8 billion people. They wanted 8 billion people to take the shots, all of them, and to stay current. Because as you know, after a couple of months, you're not considered vaccinated anymore. I'm definitely going to have to take this one off of the off of YouTube. Um, so 
that was always an impossibility because even if everybody complied, when the first group of people who took it a couple of months before the last group of people did, they're no longer considered, it's impossible. So what are you doing? You're setting people up for an unending hamster wheel of compliance and broken logic. And again, like Greg said, there's 5,000 people or so, maybe a little bit more, who really, really run the game, who really control the game, and who are really a detriment to human uh, civilization. If it was really that important for aliens to see us liberated and ascend, then, I mean, 5,000 people are standing in between us and higher truths of the of the uh, the physical universe get the hell out of here i i don't i don't believe that but i love having the conversation i love having the conversation i love bringing people on who have different opinions on it so all right let's go into uh, let's go grab uh let's grab some calls how about that 914 Two zero 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 two six nine. That is uh, overall what's going on tomorrow night. When Matt is here, we'll do a little bit of t- creepy travel stories, and we'll also reopen the imaginary friends line because I know that we've got people out there who remember their imaginary friends, and I want to know what they looked like and where the hell they went and what the hell was going on. So yeah, we will do that tomorrow too. Jay Semo. And 925 Wild G, thank you for that. Uh, let's see here. Fucked up farmer says, I just want attention. Well, there you go. You got a little. Uh, Miss Day Dawn says, Eloise wants to know where you got your shirt. This shirt? This, this shirt you can't find anymore. Literally cannot find it any, any, anymore. This was a gift from some friends of mine who bought it when it first came out probably in the 90s. I don't know. We're talking decades old. And they say you should have this. You know, so Lauren, Lauren, the reason why I haven't worn it in a while is because these holes started opening up and it's very old, the material. It's very comfortable though. And uh, Lauren just mended it today. She sewed it up today. So you know what? I'm, I'm wearing it. It's been a while. I, I like it. And I want to, I'm going to have to recreate it. Because I went on the internet to take a look to see if anybody had any old, um, you know, old prints of this shirt or, or anything that, that's out there and none. So I'm going to have this recreated. We're going to put it on the, quite frankly, uh, merchandise necessary. The UN, peace through terror. No doubt about it. All right, let's take a call. 310, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Okay. Five one seven. You're on the air. Go ahead. What up, Frank? This is General Z. What's going on, General? <clears throat> hey. Um. Uh. The topic that you had tonight was about uh, in, uh what was it, encrypted or classified information or something like that no well i mean we 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 talked a little bit about whitley streber's uh latest uh, book on on pretty much alien encounters and things like that because i uh changed topics with the goldie hawn story about that but we were really just talking about 
how current events are running. We talked a little bit about MK Ultra, mind control, voice to skull technology, okay. all over. So, what's your thought? Well, um, I was I was uh, a couple months ago before the Grammy Awards. I was talking talking to God, having a you know having a three and a half hour you know meditation, whatever prayer with him. Had trouble sleeping like I always do, and. And uh, I said, you know, God, give me some truth that has been forgotten about, you know, because I've always, ever since I was six, I've always known everything is bullshit. And I've always, you know, you're going to find the truth. You're going to find it on your own. You know, later on in life, I figured out, you know, God's going to lead us to it. So after that, I went to sleep, woke up in the morning, and I woke up with, like, something added in my mind. Like, like you know how to tie your shoes like common sense knowledge. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? And, you know, we we know that, like, Satan tried to overthrow heaven, tried to overthrow God, and and God cast him out. And he was reported casting him down to earth, casting him out of heaven to earth, and Satan fell, Lucifer fell to earth like a bolt of lightning. Well, that didn't stop Lucifer's drive to be God. So what did you wake up what? with? What did you wake up with in I your will, mind? I, I woke up with Zeus is Lucifer, God of lightning, mm-hmm. all these other demigods underneath of him. Zeus is Lucifer. He never gave up wanting to be godlike. So he wanted to corrupt God's creation and having them worship and, you know, figures and idolatize him. And, and when you look at like in, Revel- in, uh, in the Bible, when Jesus was being tempted in his 40 days of fasting in the desert, he, he was being tempted, and one of the last temptations is the devil took Jesus to the highest, most point of the land to oversee, you know, you could oversee all of God's creation. He said, if you throw yourself off from here, you'll, you know, all this can be yours. And if you, if you prove that you're really God's son, he'll surely send angels from heaven, and you won't even bruise your heel on the ground. So how and did at that point... So how how did how did you uh, realizing that uh, that uh, Satan is Lucifer uh, Satan is Zeus uh, change things for you? Well, immediately after that, after you know, because this was a week before the Grammy Awards of this year, Grammy Awards was a giant you know satanic ritual. The same night that the Grammy Awards happened, Turkey had their their unnatural swarm of earthquakes that created like a grand canyon like chasm you know landscape changed the land over there in turkey mm-hmm. and archaeologists discovered zeus's temple the earthquake swarm that acted in turkey the same night as the satanic grammy awards they got their you know they got their uh the the sacrifice of the lives the people that died during the earthquake all satanic you know stuff comes with that and and as the earth cracked open it revealed archaeologists found zeus's temple and now they're now they are in the process of restoring zeus's temple and the other nickname for zeus's temple is satan's throne well that's wouldn't it be wouldn't it be the most trickiest of tricky things to do a Kansas City shuffle and have everybody think it's it's this temple dome over here in Israel that once that gets rebuilt, then Antichrist steps into it and reveals himself to the world. Ah, 
But well, we're talking about the devil, the prince of tricksters, you know, right. the king of deceit. Mm-hmm. So what if, hypothetically, mm-hmm. it's really Zeus's temple that gets rebuilt behind the scenes? Nobody's really paying attention to it. It's just archaeology. Oh, Greek, you know, it's Greek structure, whatever. Okay, so then but we're going to... reality... Uh, you, you know what you got to do? Because I'm looking all over the place right here, and I cannot see. I mean, I see Temple of Zeus to be restored to its former glory uh, in southwest Turkey. That is something that this is from 2021, though. That wasn't. Right. Uh, that's that's way before the. That's way before the earthquake. You're trying to link it, those it two is. things together. It so, is, but the thing the thing is, Frank, is I can't find it anymore now. Okay. Like well, I, I, I'll, came, I, I came home from a. Well, listen, General. Uh, general, when you find yeah. it, when you find it, send it my way because I like to continue to, I like to continue to entertain that. Although you know, well, does, wherever hey, brother, the. You you got my number there, okay? Okay. And, yeah, I'll give you a call. I I really would love to just sit down over a cup of coffee from a distance and just you know sharpen each other's minds, dude. Because that you're, would well. You're well a, well, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens because uh, you can always call in again and send me something because right. I'm trying to get the current the chronology down. I'm all the, you know. Listen, when, when it comes down to looking at looking at uh, biblical figures, especially when you you talk about creation stories and reading into the Bible and seeing that there is actually references in there that um, that that act, that that pay mention to. And thank you for the call that pay mention to hierarchies of, you know, lesser gods that there are almost like tribunals and and councils, high councils there. There's a head honcho, of course. Um, I it, it really it's uh, it's interesting there. At that point, you start thinking, all right, well, how much of Greek and Roman mythology was really just local folklore that became the dominant religion of the ancient world and how much of it was a what we would have what we would have categorized as a as as biblical council of gods that were you know in rebellion or or whatever it's it's an interesting thing and to wake up with that kind of clarity and to follow that that uh train of thought i can get down with that but i don't see anything here about the temple of zeus being discovered after the um the earthquakes that we caused in uh you know the the night of the of the grammys over there in turkey after turkey uh, said that they were going to be a stick in the mud with new nato memberships so there are some things there that don't really add up to me but i'm 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 open for that kind of stuff just you know the email that i'm always looking through the inbox and i try to get back to everybody i really don't know i every year I impress myself with how I manage the inbox because a lot comes in and I am on top of sifting through it and trying to find things and giving people some, you know, courteous responses and just acknowledging that I'm reading. So I'm always down for that. Thank you so much. Let's see. Um, over on pill, then we'll take some more calls. NJSF, thank you. Robert Sarns, thank you. Chai Possum, Tempo 420, Boys Block, Paulie 9363. Paulie says, Frank, don't make fun of that poor girl. Some bitch I know wrote a good tweet on that. What girl? What girl? Uh, Sean Joe. Oh, are you talking about the, the, 
the uh, the zoomer in the the beginning of the shirt, the, the school uh, thing. What's that to make fun of? I mean, first of all, you should not. I mean, the 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 crying on a public forum is not the place for that. But like I said, it's not even really her fault. It's just this is something we all go through, and Generation Z has uh, plenty plenty going against it that other generations have not. Only thing is that, like everything else in the world, you they're they're given. I mean, in school from the time that they're in diapers, especially from their uh, their crazed millennial parents too, especially if they're liberals, they're given all the reasons why things are bad, and it usually has to do with a, a, the Republican Party. The, mo- the most brain-dead thing ever to uh, to throw all that out. So that's just... So I don't make fun, although I don't know her, and it's a pretty stupid thing to do, and a useless thing to do to put that out there. Um, anyway, Sean Joe, thank you. C. Blanche, thank you. C. Blanche says, glad for my head voices. Keep alert. Head on a swivel. Don't take no chit. Godspeed, y'all. Brewbark says, great guest, Frank. Joe M., this was the impossible show. And Tempo420 again sent over a cookie. I love them cookies. Keep sending those, uh, those gold pills, my friends. They are going to become more and more important to the future of this show. All right, let's take another call. Let's go 808. Who's this? Hey, this is Brooke. Hello, boy. You said Brooke? Yeah, Brooke in Hawaii. I, I talked with you before, Frank. How are you, Brooke? Welcome back to the show. I saw the 808, so yes, go ahead. Anyway, um, I didn't quite watch the whole show tonight. I just got off work, but I, I kind of saw I was touched by an alien. Yeah. I believe the title. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, here in North Shore on Oahu, me and my brother... Uh, we usually go up and check out the sky at night. We have a lot of UFO activity. Well, on this particular night, me and my brother, he's all, let's go check out the sky. We've been drinking, and we go out, and as soon as we walk out of my studio out back of the house, we walk out, and this silent, it, it, was, it looked like a yellow submarine, except you couldn't see the inside part of it. You could only see a yellow ring on the outside. Mm. And the thing was probably like two or three football fields in length. And it just flew over us. And there was on each side like a cylinder. And each side there was a... I'm, hold, on, hold on, Brooke. I'm, I'm, I'm missing you there. You uh, started breaking okay. up badly. So uh, just explain, uh, describe, describe what you saw again, because all that got broken up. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of in a battery. It's all right. So we go outside, and we look up, and, and silently, this yellow submarine-looking thing, which was the size of two or three football fields, and all you could see was the outside, like a submarine, a yellow uh, on the outside, and then on each end of the submarine was blue dots, which looked like energy centers. It was huge, and it was silent. And it, my little brother was trying to shout to the neighbors, everybody look up, everybody look up. And I'm like, and he's, oh, I'm going to go get my camera. I said, you're going to miss it. And it flew over the whole island of, of Oahu probably within like four seconds. It was that big, but it was completely silent. And everybody else that was outside on the weekend and partying, nobody saw it. None of my neighbors, nobody. So to me, real quickly, I'll just make it quick. There's something bigger than our governments, 
than Israel, than all these governments of the world. There's something much, much more intelligent and bigger. Now, Brooke, how old were you again when this happened? This is probably like four years ago. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm 40. Yeah, I'm 47 right now. So you were about 43 years old. Um, you, this was just a, yep. w- 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 I have to ask when stuff like this happens, were you doing any partying? Were you drunk? Were you no, so, no, well, we've been drinking, but it, it, you know, I don't do any like hallucinogenic. Okay. And I've had encounters. There was another real quick. There was another encounter when I was seven. Uh, I know you had your lady on, uh, the lady that was talking about when she was seven years old and I watched that. So but when I was seven, I woke up and my dad had got me a new guitar. And I just, I don't know if I was sleepwalking or what, but I saw these two, probably two football creatures in my room, and they went behind a, a dresser. And in my sleep, Hold on, Brooke. Hold, hold on, Brooke. Hold on, Brooke. You're breaking up again. I don't know where you... Okay. Okay, so, so went, went behind a... The, I, you're talking about the dresser thing, but I, I actually want to ask you a couple more questions about the, the, the submarine. Um... So this was, I just want to make sure you said what I thought you said. You said that this was a yellow submarine look. So you're talking about cigar-shaped cylindrical thing. That's correct. So and, t- and it brought up the Beatles song, We All Live in a Yellow Submarine. Now, the color is, the color is interesting in itself because I've never heard anybody describe these things as anything other than black or somehow translucent shiny. Or, or shiny, yeah. whatever. So, you know, silverish, shiny, metallic. But yellow is odd. I wonder if that is some way of playing off a sunlight. Uh, who knows? But the bigger thing is the size. You said three to four football fields? My brother said it was the size of the, bigger than the island. Bigger than the but island. To me, it was it, yeah, but the island of Oahu, and we're Haleiwa, North Shore. That's still enormous. You know, that's not like you. you it was enormous, and silently it flew over, so completely silent, fast, and it was gone. Okay. But anyway. I'll, I'll let you get to some other calls, and I'll call in again soon. You know, that was uh, that. I, see, those are the ones I I love hearing. Thank you so much, Brooke. That's the one I I I wanted to focus in on that story. Yellow submarineish cylindrical object. The color is striking. Of course, the whatever is silent. It's moving at a really good clip. But the size that reminds me of even what Rich Barris saw. That was of pretty gargantuan size. Hmm. Well, well, well. I just, um, I love that. I really do. All right, let's take a uh, call 407. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank. This is, hey, Frank. Um, I'm just going to make it really, uh, really, really uh, fast. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Wonder- you don't have for, hold on, hold on. You, first of all, you don't have to go fast. It's okay. We're just chilling out. What's your name? My name. Um, I, I, you can just call me um, uh, uh, August. August. Okay. So August, you're on. So you've been listening to you've been listening to everything tonight with Greg Carlwood on. What yeah. what got you most? Is it? Are we talking about the? Uh, is it? Is it more so the uh, off world intelligence aspect, or is it just world events? What What do you want to talk about? Oh, uh, the. Uh, the stuff in the Middle East. Okay, go right ahead. I just want to one uh, uh, give you guys a quick scenario of what stuff that I 
was looking at. Um, back in April, that's about th- uh, 30 tons of that ammonium nitrate was, no. was uh, a missing off of a train. Yes. Um, that was that ha- that was going on. The uh, back in 2020 in Beirut, the giant explosion that that was just almost like a, a nuclear bomb. Absolutely, that was ammonium nitrate as well. We have about just uh, recently we had mm. two aircraft uh, carriers, the Eisenhower and the Gerald uh, and the Gerald Ford, are uh, on their way over there. Um, I think there's two more going over there as well, mm-hmm. and for just for just um, for just the Gaza and Hezbollah militant groups, it it's a that's way too much for just that. It's an over. So it's, it's a big just, overcorrection. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Over. It, it's really just way over proportion for what normally happens, right? For just a smaller groups. Um, what I think. Would happen is another Gulf, uh, Gulf, Gulf of Tonkin, where we have a ships or one or two that most that just suddenly explode. Um, everyone blames Iran in my mind because that's why that's the only group that I know of in the area that that we would want to go go to war against. Uh, that's the same. Um, that, uh, that's the same agenda that. Um, General Milley gave to Trump, and he was like, "No way." So I think they're just doing the same. This uh, the playbook that that was introduced then. They're going to do a Gulf of Tonkin, have a ship explode. They're going to blame it, and then we got to go go to war. And because someone attacked the U.S., that means the uh, uh, the UN peacekeeping forces are allowed to intervene or come in to assist at that point. If we attack someone else, they can't get, really get involved. But, but if someone attacks a, a UN um, affiliate, then, then at that point they can. Well, it's not only that. It's not only that. And th- you know what? Thank you so much for the call. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, worthy, it's a worthy theory. And you know what? Uh, hopefully you're wrong. And we don't. Uh, I hope so too. Yeah. Oh, I know you do. I know you do because no one would would be rooting that on. But what you're what you're uh, describing right now is pretty plausible. And there's been a lot of people. Thanks again for the call. A lot of people who have been wondering about that crazy headline of all that ammonium nitrate that has gone unaccounted for, that was just li- lifted off of a train track. And I have not, I have not heard any conclusion as to recovering it or where it could have possibly gone. What kind of operation would be necessary to make that thing disappear in the first place? But, you know, you think about it. I was saying that they're already building predicate out there in the Middle East when you talk about 19, uh, 19 American servicemen or, and women who are in the Middle East right now who have some sort of a an injury because of drones or something, and it's all linked to Iran or whatever because that's, that's the new thing that we're, we're building up right now. But you talk about giving up a ship when fully manned an aircraft carrier uh is pretty it's essentially a small city we're talking about thousands one aircraft carrier depending on how it was taken out how thoroughly it was destroyed and how how uh how badly how 
total the loss of life is on board of a fully manned aircraft carrier, you're talking about nearly double the losses, the domestic losses that we had on September 11th, 2001. One aircraft carrier. So it's that's not um, that is not crazy. It's horrific to think about, and um, that's one hell of a chip, one hell of a chip to throw down to to get things started off. Uh, let me see here. Thank you so much to everybody. I'm going to release the scratching right now. We have some stuff for you tonight on QuiteFrankly.tv. I've got to tell you about. In in fact, let's try this out for a second. Look at this, everybody. I have a QR code for Quite Frankly TV right there. So I would encourage you all to open up your phones, open up your uh, your cameras, put it on the screen right now, click it, and get over to QuiteFrankly.tv. And uh, maybe tomorrow I'll have some time to uh, to tell you my uh, my big announcement. But... Over here, quitefrankly.tv, that's a good way of going over. It's as easy as pressing play. That's how it is. Quitefrankly.tv. And what we got going on tonight, it's Throwback Thursday. It's nostalgic Halloween clips and some of the best scary movies about aliens. That's tonight, only on quitefrankly.tv. Throwback Thursday. That's what I got. That just came in from the crew on the network side. And that is how you can fill in some of your uh, late night Late night fun, now that we've done the primetime fun together. All right? Into the Super Chats, just to make sure we've got everybody. Here we go. Quite frankly, SuperChat.com. Cheeto Duster says, love your show. Thanks for what you do. Cheeto Duster, that sounds, that sounds terrific. You know, I don't eat a lot, of, a lot of, like, junk foods anymore. Even before I started, you know, uh, doing with the diet stuff and and uh, the intermittent fasting and listening to Jay Goulinello a little bit more. But I'll tell you, a bag of crunchy Cheetos, I feel the draw to that some days so strong. I can just destroy the whole thing. And a tuna fish sandwich, those things together. Put the Cheetos on a tuna fish sandwich inside to create some extra crunch. My mouth is watering. What am I going to do? How do I find Cheetos tonight? I need them. Thank you, Jesse Seminara. Says, cheers. Well, cheers to you, my friend. Famous Austrian. <laughs> we just got a just got a super chat from famous Austrian painter. There was plenty of them, so there, it could be anyone. <laughs> all uh, The uh, famous Austrian painter says, all the pictures of the shooter look significantly different than each other, but one thing's for sure. He would look better with a tiny mustache. Okay, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a very specific Austrian painter then. Oh, my gosh. this I, Now I really have to get this off of YouTube. Oh, man, that was the cherry on top. That was the cherry on top. You you don't even have to say his name anymore. You just have to say Tiny Mustache, and it's over. Jay Dyer better watch out. Rayshawn Rhodes says, You the man, Frank. God bless you, bro. Thank you, Rayshawn. Thank you. And um, 
I'm very excited to uh, to do this all again with you tomorrow. Matt will be in tow. We're going to have a really lovely conversation with a 100-year-old member of the viewing audience. Well, at least for tomorrow night she will be. I don't know how often she watches. Lorraine is going to be on the show, and I can't wait to talk to her, damn it. It's going to be so fun. I feel it's a real honor. And you guys and gals, have yourself a good night. Please go to quitefrankly.tv after this and enjoy yourself even more and talk to everybody in the chat room. Very easy to uh, talk in the chat room. You just start typing. This is the best place to watch the show. You can cast it to your television. It's so nice. And, uh, and I will see you over there. And tomorrow we'll do more wrapping up a creepy week. But we did a lot of uh, very constructive stuff as well. And next week will be a little bit more of the same. I love it. All right, everybody. Have yourself a good night. Take care. And uh, be good. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Cheeto Duster, Jesse Seminara, famous Austrian painter, Rayshon Rhodes, Jay Britz, and Dan Schumann, not to be outdone ever, because they're Stostube. And then Rob Moreau from last night. Thank you to our wonderful uh, Rumble Ranters and to our Gold Pillars. We'll see you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your evening on the website with the network programming that kicks off as soon as these credits end. Good night. Okay, Chief, take him away. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife.